It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boost every single day. Rudo, Jesse, AJ, Megan coming at you live on Hump Day. Uh, a decent amount of news came out around the hockey world today. We're going to get into some of the best contracts in the league in the NHL. But but first, we kind of have to cover all this news and, and maybe some of the stuff that we missed over the last week or two. Um Obviously, the World Juniors ended, Canada taking gold as you do, but they, um, you know, almost about three millimeters away from losing it, but Mason McTavish decided that he didn't want to lose, so. I think that's an all-time great WJC moment, like a top three WJC moment ever. Yeah, it's definitely a ridiculous highlight to watch. It's honestly just a shame that it came in such a weird tournament. <laughs> like, imagine a normal WJC he makes right. that play. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, no, I mean it was it was uh, it was awesome. It, it, good on good on McTavish to have the awareness to have your head up and be aware around the net like that. Uh, yeah, Team Canada, like you said, inches inches away from. I don't know, not winning, and then they win. It was great for them, for those kids. How Someone explain to me how hard it actually is to do that, because you see plenty of players are very good at redirecting pucks in a general direction. But how difficult is it to like completely stop all of its momentum like that? <laughs> I, I feel like that was more just like reactionary more than anything else. Like, you know, I mean, it's going in anyway, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just an instinct. Like oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. He yeah. just got it. Well, I, I was going to say, like, honestly, that's, I mean, like, it's one of those things where the answer to your question is it's both incredibly difficult and not at all because you're just swinging at it. Like, you see that you see that exact same play happen 500 times in an NHL season. And it just doesn't just, work. <laughs> most of them go right in. Yeah, just bounce right over your stick. Uh, McTavish, obviously, you know, he got good enough contact with it to pull it out. Uh, or keep it from keep it from going forward, but uh, yeah, no, I mean that was that was pretty wild. Yeah, not much to say. Megan. I know you were you're more focused on Sweden and Olausen, but did you watch the finals? I did, and I was actually really happy that Finland gave Canada the trouble that they did, just because of the tournament that both USA and Canada had. It was hard for other teams to be competitive there with them, especially without Russia in the tournament, which I would have liked to see. It was just a weird tournament all around, especially with the upset to Team USA. But happy for Latvia also getting past the 
preliminary round the way that they did. I thought that, well, you know, it didn't end in a fairy tale. But overall, it was a weird tournament. Um, but I guess I'm glad that it was an OT ending for a gold medal game. I couldn't have asked for that to be any different. I feel like the gold medal games in the WJCs have been good games like every year going back several. Like I don't remember the last time there was like a, and I'm sure it was just a couple of years ago and I'm just not remembering it. But like, I, I feel like usually those gold medal games, the WJCs are awesome. Some with you, Megan, like seeing it, seeing a good high end gold medal game is a ton of fun. And Finland's WJC kids have been out of control. The last they were quarter. great. Yeah. They're competitive. They've been lights out for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, can bring us to the other major international competition that's getting talked about right now with the NHL, more or less confirming that there's going to be a World Cup of Hockey in 2024 um, planned for February. So, you know, kind of that Olympic break style thing in the middle of the season. Uh, You know, there's some pretty interesting stuff with it too. They said they wanted to up it to 10 teams, maybe have even like a play-in type around. Uh, obviously the last one was a banger, but are, are y'all as excited as, as I think you should be for this? Uh, I would, I would replace the all-star game with the world cup every year. Yeah. No, with AJ. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked. Like, I mean, was, was the last world cup, the last best on best we got? Yeah, I think so. They stopped going to the Olympics before that, right? So, if it wasn't that, we maybe got one more since, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess with the with the young stars team, though, it was kind of like sure, it it separated them a little bit. I I don't know. Yeah, it kind of broke them up, and uh, which I I thought was great. That collection of talent was incredible, and I well, and, and it was just like this really weird. Like you'll never run into that again, where there was like. I mean, the U.S. botched their own roster. It wasn't due to a lack of talent. Like there was, even with that young, like young stars team, there was enough, like high end elite talent to fill out Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. You, you probably won't ever get that again. Um, that's like the only thing that's disappointing about knowing that they're bringing it back is that we aren't going to get uh, a U twenty three North American team because that was. That team was like maybe some of the best hockey I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that like you could put together so a pretty fast. good one. I know it would hurt Canada and the U.S., but like if we're talking about this in 2024, you could put Connor Bedard on that team. Forget yeah, Shane Wright and a number of other players. You know, and Logan Cooley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that team was just like it was just so crazy. I mean, McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon. Eichel, yeah. like it was just Brandon Sod. <laughs> Brandon Sod. My favorite thing is that Ryan Murray was on that team. <laughs> so, like a legitimate D pairing guy for them. Yeah. Ryan Murray, what, Seth Jones, uh, yeah. Morgan Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan Riley. Yeah. Matt Murray and Nett. Connor Hellebuck. John Gibson. Yeah. It's crazy. You think about all those good players on their teams in the NHL, but when you actually put them together, it's like, oh, right. That's that's actually insane. Canada, Canada, so hilariously stacked that they, yeah. oh, they lose all. They lost the talent that they did, and it was just like, we're still Canada. Ooh, so your one sees Sidney Crosby now. Darn. The, it's a the tough one life. Thing, 
The one thing I will, I, I actually hope they do because I liked it for the re. I hope they do a team Europe again for those smaller countries. So I did just, I thought that made it interesting because like there are some, you know, like Latvia and stuff where it's like, yeah, that's cool if they have enough guys to put together a team, but I don't want to see him get smashed 10 to one four times. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool for the guys who are from like Switzerland or France or Slovenia, you know, like, oh, Kopitar gets to go be on a team because his, a national team would not be competitive enough to justify him. Right. So I, I hope I I don't think they'll do the North America thing again, uh, but I hope they do a team Europe for those the smaller I, countries. Not, I I think it'd be tough too if they're going to increase it to ten teams. Yeah. Um, there yeah. just aren't there aren't ten hockey countries. Yeah, yeah. Which, <sighs> I mean, how how would you break it up? Obviously, U.S. Canada. You probably have Finland and Sweden. No, if I'm doing that, uh, I'm breaking Canada into three pieces. You're doing like West, Central, and Eastern Canada. Yep. What you mean if you're pushing it to ten? Yeah. Three Break Canada. Three. Basically, basically draw the same lines as the WHL, OHL, and Q. Yeah. Do you just give Quebec a, a team basically at that point? Well, doesn't that become Quebec and Ontario essentially? Like you can't put. You'd have to separate Quebec and Ontario. There's no way you have them on the same team. Yeah. So anyway, I would break Canada into three parts because I think that would be more interesting than watching another Canadian powerhouse just go and wax the floor with everybody. Where you're just like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Like, yeah. yeah, no, let's get a little internal strife going on in Canada. Everybody says they're so nice all the time. Let's uh, let's let's stoke the anger a little. So. You know, how very American of me, I know. But uh, I so I would do that and then, you know, whatever. Go into go into Europe and... Finland, Sweden. Let's just assume that they have Russia. I know that, that that's a more complicated yeah, issue. Well, but... But hopefully yeah. by 2024, that shit gets uh, yeah, figured yeah. out. Yeah. So that's seven. And then you... If you're not going to include Russia, no shot are you getting to 10 teams. Like... Yeah, it'd be real hard. If you did a team Europe after that, that'd be eight. Maybe you'd do like a team Eastern block instead of Is this like, counting Canada split up into three? Yeah. And so maybe you do like team Western Europe and team Eastern Europe or something to get to nine. Yeah. And then you still need one more. Germany. Done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, they got a goaltender. They got they got a little bit at the high end. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll have Reichel and Stutzla and uh, Paterka and Drysidel. Yeah. So like, yeah, they'll have Mo Sider on the back end. Like they'll be that. That's that's a team that could that could win a game or two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, whatever. World Cup. I'm excited for it. 2024. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be really cool <laughs> when Megan or Jesse gets to go cover it. It'll be, it'll be sick. It's so much better. Go ahead. For growing the game than the all-star game because it's a global reach. And I feel like people rally around countries more than they do individual players representing in the all-star game. So I think it's just a great idea. This this one right here made me, you know, not think exactly that, but exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, one of the biggest goals Nathan McKinn's ever scored was on this huge international stage. Uh, Ended up meaning nothing, but. <laughs> right. Oh, so that sucks so much. 
I guess like, you can say that about his, the, his two biggest goals in his career. That game five goal for the hat trick meant nothing, but uh, boy, it was cool. <laughs> boy, wasn't that neat. Yeah, no, this is, it's it's going to be great. I hope they actually follow through on it. It's uh, it, it's it's crazy. European and Canadian players, I feel like in particular, really, really, really embrace the, you know the best on best uh, international competition and stuff. And and those players really, I mean, like that's it's everything to them. I remember. Who was it? There was a Canadian a few years ago, a Canadian player that did an interview that said he'd rather win a gold medal at the Olympics than a Stanley Cup because representing his country is like the ultimate, you know, achievement and da 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 da. da. So uh, I don't know. Hockey best on best is always just. It's tremendous. It's it's tremendous. And that's that's why I want to bring Canada up. Look at all the great players that that don't get to play Mm -hmm. because. They're the fifth best center in the in in Canada, and they don't right, they, right. they don't make the roster. Like the last World Cup, like you remember, like Ryan O'Reilly was or Ryan O'Reilly, Matt Shane was their fourth line center. Yeah, and you're just yeah. like, dude, like <laughs> it's. Well, I I remember. I think it was the first Olympics they didn't go to a a bunch of teams or uh, you know a bunch of sites were doing like mock rosters before we knew that they weren't going. And there was even a couple sites that were like, Canada could put together a B team that would probably finish like third, maybe fourth in this tournament. And it's just like they're they're, they're literally two two teams worth deep at most positions, with the exception of goaltending for some reason. So the thing that I really like about the best on best competition is it's a setup that allows the best player's skill to come out as much as humanly possible because it's a bunch of teams that have been together for like two weeks right so it's Mm -hmm. not these super rigid structured systems that you know i don't want to oversell it but people talk about coaching the fun out of the game all the time when you get systems that are just super smothering and and very tight-knit compared to you get these international competitions where it's like yeah just go be better than the other team right when you get to like it, it really does kind of remind me of the old school, like when you, when you think about like the Russian school of hockey, Finnish school, uh, you know, stuff like that. You just, especially for the 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 Euro guys, I feel like you do end up seeing like, wow, a bunch of these guys from Finland play oddly similar, and it's just <laughs> it's fun to see them all, you know, kind of get together and it just clicks because they grew up playing a certain way on international ice and. The, the, you know, the, the programs, there's not as many hockey programs out there. So a lot of the guys went through the same coaching systems or, or whatever. And so, yeah, that's, it's, it's a great point. Well, you just get these guys kind of thrown together. Guys, guys who grew up playing together, get to right. play together again. Like it's yeah. like getting to, getting to go back to that. It's cool for, it's cool for them. And again, like best on best, it's an, it's an amazing showcase of your game. And the All-Star game, one of the reasons that it's not is how many good players don't go to that thing because it's gotten so limited with the three-on-three rosters being that big that you have tremendous players who are not getting that opportunity. Like, Devon Taves is never going to make an All-Star game, but that guy would be on Team Canada. Yeah. One, 
one of the Canadas. Uh, but it's like, I, I, I think it's a it's a great showcase for the game because they're playing hockey. They're actually playing the game. You know, they're not going super hard. Like they're not gonna go a hundred percent full bore all out because they've got NHL seasons to get to that they're in the middle of mm-hmm. uh, with it being in February. But it's going to be a lot more entertaining. It's going to be a lot better showcase of the game because right now, the if there's one thing that no sport truly has, it's a best on best situation uh where where you get to see that actually come to fruition where motivated players actually put their effort into because like the pro bowl has been a joke my entire life yeah. mlb's all-star game stopped mattering sometime during my childhood um did it ever matter i it, it used to because you go yeah. back you look at you look at pete rose smoking the catcher in like 1978 yeah, or yeah, something, like is a different animal. <laughs> I I get it, but like they played hard. They played hard baseball in the All Star game back in the day. These days, though, not dude, not need not anymore. Like the 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 All Star games, the All Star games are just not a serious like best on best. And that's where hockey has a unique opportunity to be like these are the best of of our sports offering. And they're going to go out, and they're going to—they are going to go hard. Yeah, and I think that would—and and I think that's awesome and a great way to bring people into the game. Well, to that point exactly, the NHL has also expressed, "Hey, they want to do one of the preliminary groups and play all the games in Europe." So, they're—they're they're looking to expand their viewership of it, not just here in the states and in Canada, but across the, the globe. So, well, and like you- we we say this stuff doesn't matter or whatever, but do you remember when? Landy was on that world championship team that uh, for Sweden that won the world championships. Yep. And they they went back to Sweden and had a giant party yep. to yeah. celebrate it. Like the hockey countries care. Hockey yeah. fans are wired in such a way we all we all care about the international tournaments. We all get in I mean that's where the knife fight really happens. That's where Z and I stop talking to each other. <laughs> Because when it's USA Canada, it's it's a no go. It's a no fly zone for our relationship. I like your. The more I'm sitting here thinking about it and letting it kind of resonate, I love your idea of splitting up Canada because the rivalry that that would cause within Canada, like that would be some of the best. Like that'd be some of the most like electric matchups, crowds. Like that would be wild. Yeah. I love that. Quebec yeah. versus Ontario, you might get to like soccer hooligan levels of problematic. <laughs> there might actually be a knife fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you just, if you split up Canada at all, even if you just went like east west, I think you'd need to be a little bit more like deliberate than that. But even that, I just think would, yeah, just, just the, the rivalry that would cause within, within the game yeah. would be phenomenal. Great call, AJ. Great call. Uh, Love that. Anything to add on the the World Cup, Megan? No. Okay. (laughs) The other news topic of the day is EA released at least their cover athletes for EA 23. I don't know if it's the actual cover, but Trevor Zegras and Sarah Nurse are the two athletes getting on the cover. Uh, I I think a lot of people care a lot more about this than I do, so I'll I'll leave the floor to you guys. (laughs) 
Well, it's not that I care. I but I played those games all growing up. It's fun. To, it's fun to see guys from your team get it, get the recognition. Uh, I thought for sure. I thought like it was a Kale McCarr lock for this year, and I was like, oh, that'll be nice for the ads. Kind of a nice little bow on what's been a pretty crazy season. Get the get the cover athlete, but uh, I, I I like that they did something different. Like they just kind of run it back. So many times. So I like that they went out there with a with a young kid, Sarah Nurse. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like it. Would have been cool to see McCarr, but meh. I would say two things. One, I'm glad McCarr didn't get on it because the EA curse is real. It's been like 16 years since a cover athlete has gotten out of the second round. Well, so. I mean, that, that's now a pretty specific definition of the curse <laughs> look i will tell you Jim, with it, not me the madden curse sure as hell felt real for a long Dude, those time that, that's what i'm gonna say like the so madden one was one where it's like yeah no your career unravels the next year yeah <laughs> you're on the cover and you either you know you, you either end up in jail or with a career ending injury and it was just like and the other thing if you're going to put Trevor Zegras on the cover and you're not going to give me ways to do things like the Michigan or flipping the puck over the back of the net, <laughs> uh, you failed. I know the Michigan was in the last one and I saw a tweet. I, there's no way I'll come across again. It said the Zegras is officially in NHL 23. I don't know what that is. I'm assuming that's the flip over the top of the net pass. Yeah. But I, yeah. Not a hundred percent sure, to be honest. But like honestly, good for them for for putting someone like Zegras because they've always shied away from the the young guys, and then good for them for uh, you know putting Sarah Nurse. They put the uh, women's uh, international teams. I think it was last year in the game, uh, long overdue, um, and so it's cool to see them continue to make that that uh, push and and bleed it over to the cover. If if we could awesome. just get a if we could just get a consistent women's league to yeah, if the nwhl side and the what what the phf phf is, like the other yeah. side yeah if they if could they if they could stuff out, yeah yeah and then we could add that into the game i think that would also be awesome um but ultimately i mean i say this but i'm not gonna buy it i'm not gonna play it i don't care um i think it's great i think it's it's it shows why trevor zegross is super important for the nhl yep because <clears throat> that kind of skill that kind of showmanship, that kind of confidence, that kind of personality that that jumps off the ice, I uh, jumps off the ice, is rare in hockey. Because I mean, you look at Connor McDavid, and we can all watch Connor McDavid and be like, "This dude is on another planet." But to the but to a casual person, they're just gonna be like, "Wow, that guy's really good." But yeah. you watch Trevor Zegras do shit that nobody else even thinks of. And the way that he plays the game and the confidence, it just it's it it's different. And it and it really it really separates him, uh, the way that he plays the game from a from a lot most players, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh and and kind of the attitude that he he carries himself with. It's very anti hockey establishment where, you know, guys, you know, Brian the Brian Burks of the world don't like a guy that has swagger like that. They don't. They don't like when a guy walks into a room dick first and is proud of that, right? Like, they're not into that. They're, they 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 want to hammer that out of a guy's personality the second they that that they draft him, 
And it doesn't look like Trevor Zegras is going to let that happen. And so I think he's a really, really, really important part of marketing the game beyond the fan base that already exists. I mean, you're always going to have the old heads who are like, but back in my day that they couldn't do that. And like, that sucks. Like, let the game be fun. And that guy embodies, he embodies the fun part of hockey. And I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm all for selling the game like that. As incredible as Kale McCarr is, the guy's fucking boring. And Trevor Zegras just isn't. And I think that that's where you're putting a cover athlete onto a video game. Cool. You're trying to cater to some people that may not be super duper into your sport anyway. Uh, well, selling a guy say, like that, I'm all for it. Put him on the cover for the rest of his career. Because cool. Tre- Trevor Zegras is also like he's good content. Like you see the Michigan goals and the flipping up. Like you see those on non hockey related Twitter pages and Instagram pages and shit like that. Right. And so like people that aren't people that don't follow anything hockey, see those, those plays, those goals. Uh, and yeah, no, it's, that, that's why I'm happy. I'm happy that if, you know, it's him because in the past, it's just been so much of like the rinse repeat, like you said, no personality, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, no. So good, good call. Good call for them uh, on both fronts. I like it. I don't know how anyone could be mad. It's a very, it's a very non like hockey establishment thing to do. Even for, mm-hmm. even for EA picking a guy like Zegras and then uh, Sarah nurse is included. I mean, she's incredible. And that like, I just say it is historic to have your first women's hockey player and let alone who Sarah nurse is to the hockey community. She's not only a women's hockey player in her own right. She's such a high caliber player, but she's also an activist and an analyst and is such a good role model for hockey community in general. And her brother sucks. <laughs> the superior nurse. Yeah, pretty clearly. Don't let that Edmonton Oilers account find this. I'm I'm telling you, the World Cup of Hockey, forget nation, all brother team. All right? Uh, New Hook, Comfer, Nurse, Kessel. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Kessel. I'm sure there's plenty that I'm forgetting too. But have we done an ad read already? Where are we? No, at? we're about to. Okay, yeah, do one because I've got I've got another little side tangent thing. Uh, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. You can go get some right now for your gaming session on NHL 23 if that's what you're you're into. Uh, they're at your local liquor store anywhere in the United States. You can use the Breck Beer Locator online to find a specific flavor if there's something like the Strawberry Sky that you really want to try. Uh, the Palisade Peach one that only comes in stock in the summers here. Oh, so good. Highly recommend. Uh, beyond that, they have an amazing website. Go to breckbrew.com and you can get a bunch of merch there. That's super awesome. Everyone loves their hats. So go check that out. And we're also brought to you by Avaca TV. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV. And go to that slash Colorado 10. Avaca TV slash Colorado 10 to get TV for just 15 bucks a month for the first three months. If you're here in Colorado, it has altitude. It has AT&T Sportsnet. It's got national channels. It's got NFL Network. It's got movies. It's got TV shows. It's got up to 60 channels to cover all of your television needs. So basically, it's just as good as any other cable network or anything like that. And it's significantly cheaper at just 15 bucks a month for the first three months and only 25 bucks a month after that. So head on over there to avaca.tv slash Colorado 10 and get yourself set up with it today. 
All right, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, where are we going? Uh, yeah, there was just uh, some some more official-looking uh, leaks of some some shirts for the reverse retro stuff. Mm, yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but it does look – I mean, these were rumors that were put out there. Uh, but the abs will be uh, those old Colorado Rockies ones in, in Colorado flag colors. Neat. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know why you guys get so mad. Like, people like this shit. No, it's cool. I just we're just not those people. Yeah, I thought the the sharks. Well, thank God and the we're Golden not going to cool. Yeah, no, the the Oakland Seals one's dope. Uh, I'm anxious to see what an Abs Colorado flag color jersey looks like. I'm excited to it. I just I hate this like slow leak process. Yeah, just, just fucking do it. it. Just tell well, us what it, it was, is. It was like it, it, it reminds me of like the the NBA schedule this year, which they tried yeah. to turn into an event and became social media's most annoying thing for a full week <laughs> because it was just like, dude, just release it. Just release it. This is not that big of a deal. Just just let it fly, also, guys. If you just release it instead of like a terrible leak of it coming out. And you right. hear the reception that this is awful. Don't do this. Right. Maybe right. you can change it then. Well, and like, but they never do. Like, they're they're never like, oh, back up, back up, back up. It's because they don't release it until they're already printed, and someone leaks it, and then it's too late to to fish fix it at that point. You got to release the design before you've even printed the jerseys. How about just release the shit, but make sure that all of it is actually good. <laughs> Boom. I have fixed the world. Too. Yeah, see, this and this is, goes back to what I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Like, more like Adidas needs more people in the room. Like, no, no, that looks terrible. Talk to five fans from every fan base before you decide on a something, right. and then just go from there. And if those five fans <laughs> just don't happen to accurately represent that fan base, well, then you had a bad day and right, you move right. on. There's 31 others that you might have had a chance at getting correct. Like, seriously, just. This well, whole then, thing annoys the crap out of me. Just do it. Do it well. Make good choices. Make cool shit. Let it fly into the world. Speaking I of honestly, which, speaking of making cool shit, uh, our, landy, our, landy, our Landy shirt, you know, the one with the, the, yeah. the holding a the bit, cup and all bit, that. Yeah. yeah, the 8-Bit Landy. I know that people have been waiting for that. Uh, we want to apologize that it got delayed because – the first print that we got of that was unacceptably bad, so it had to go back. And now that they were the the new ones came in, they're all being sent out today. So it took a little while because there were some problems there, but that was actually not a bad design. It was just a bad job by the printer. Uh, so they needed to stop being bad. <laughs> And once they stopped being bad, they did a good job, and now everybody's going to get their gear. So we wanted to make sure to also point that out, and that felt like the only segue I was going to have. <laughs> no, I, got it in I there. think you nailed it. Uh, <laughs> well, look, in a couple I, years, I Adidas will be I, able to make bad decisions anyway about the jerseys. So I can't believe that Fanatics is still allowed to run this stuff because – so it was bad. them once again. They they this morning uploaded all of the reverse retro shirts onto the, the shop, the NHL shop. So a bunch of people got on there, saw them, and they took, this is like the third time they've done that, where they've ac accidentally put stuff that was supposed to be like a limited release. Because I'm with you, AJ. I remember we were all talking about this a couple years ago with the 
when they were doing the new jerseys, the mm-hmm. when they were switching over to Adidas, yep. and they did like five teasers for it. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. There's new jerseys coming. You've built the hype. We got it. Check. Can we see them? Like, I'm with you on that. Just put them out. Just All right. put them out. Uh, the the announcement of an announcement is starting to get a little old. Yeah, agreed. Uh, who was it? There was a hockey Twitter account. Something got leaked. It was Carolina or Anaheim. Something got leaked a couple weeks ago, and they just tweeted out, right, like, well, you guys all already saw it. And they just, like, did their big release tweet, like, two weeks early. And again, just do that. If it gets yep. leaked, just put it out there. I, I will tell you, <laughs> I am buying a Fisherman jersey. It's I am buying one. I will buy an Islanders jersey. I yeah. will get burned again, and I will be mad about it again. But I am buying one because that jersey is so sick. Yeah, that's uh, the the shirt does have the fisherman, and it's got teal on there, which this I had originally like, heard they weren't going to. We do need any to teal. run a super chat promotion where if we get enough super chats, we will buy a customized Islanders fisherman jersey with Tavares on the back for AJ. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and then what? After I open it and then watch me strangle you with it <laughs> live on air. Yeah, that can be the live reaction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And then spike it into the ground and run away because the police are coming. <laughs> yeah. We do uh we do have to get into our actual topic of the day, which is the best contracts in the NHL. Now we've talked about the most expensive contracts. We've talked about the best players in the league, but we haven't really hit that niche of the most cost-effective players in the league. Now, to be clear, you can't use ELCs. ELCs is obviously cheating. Uh, you always get absurd value on good players on ELCs. It's not fair. Uh, like, even Alex Newhook is, an, is a great value on an ELC. Right. <laughs> so, Like, oh, you paid $900,000 for a 30-point player. So not, not going to go there, but I thought this was an interesting topic because – a number of the guys that were the best contracts in the league are seeing their contracts come to an end. Kadri's contract now over now making $7 million. Nathan McKinnon in the last year of that contract, that was arguably the best contract in the league for a while there. Uh, you even see players like Jonathan Huberto getting that big raise that kicks in next year. So you're kind of seeing this changing of the guard on the players that are now the most cost effective in the league, as far as, you know, on the high end. And we've talked about it a lot, but we can start with Kale McCarr. Are we talking about one of the best contracts in the league here with McCarr, or is this just very good value? So I think today, uh, when you look at it, you remember when it got signed? It's the mo- It was the most expensive uh, deal for a, for a defenseman. It was it's it was a record for uh post ELC for like a second contract for a defenseman in the yeah. cap era. Um just just an absolute banger of a deal that had not been given out before. Um it's the ninth most expensive defenseman contract. And it's a year old. Yeah. Right now. He's the ninth highest paid defenseman in the NHL. And keep in mind that in four years, he's won a Calder, a Norris, um, 
finished, I, I guess, three years because that first year doesn't really count. It was just playoffs. Uh, finished second in the Norris, and he's won a Conn Smythe. And the guys that are ahead of him, Roman Yossi, you can get that one. Adam Fox, look, he won he won the Norris over Makar, so you can understand where they were coming from on that one. Uh, Darnell Nurse, what? Seth Jones, what? Charlie McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy's great, but making more than Kale, but making more than Makar. Uh, a, we'll go with a half what? And Zach Wierenski. I'll understand. I understand where Zach Wierenski, Columbus just had to keep him. So mm-hmm. after after Seth Jones was like, no thanks. Uh, they they had to do whatever. Uh, but I I think that Wierenski. I don't I don't have a huge problem with that. So I'll give that one also a half watt, but understanding some context. Uh, and then Dowdy and Carlson, like those were generational guys from the last generation who were just. That's just how this works. The inevitable uh, end of the old man contract happens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because those are those are the guys. Those are guys are they're both thirty two. As is Roman Yossi, but you're you're talking about they're making. Oh, they're both in the elevens. Weirdly, there's no defenseman in the NHL at ten right now. Either make the jump to eleven, or you're in the nines. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, Kale, Kale's deal is one that somehow, <laughs> before he even played a game on that deal, aged really well from the time he signed it to before he stepped on the ice. And then, obviously, the year he just had, you know, you, you feel really good about it. But, yeah, I, I mean, just fully piggybacking, piggybacking off where AJ was just going. That it, it, it was just interesting to watch. You know, I remember us talking about like, oh, wow, you know, Kale McCarr, they just kind of set the set the market for defensemen. Yeah. And then every other GM blew right past that number, like for the next two weeks. And it was just it was just really interesting because, yeah, he's got he's got a Stanley Cup and, and a Norris now. But I mean, like even going into that negotiation for a player that was two years into the league, awfully decorated. Um, yeah. And and so, again, it was just it was so that that whole saga it continues to be one of the more interesting um kind of i guess i don't know the best way to put it it was just really interesting to watch that because again it felt like a pretty consensus he finished second in norris voting um okay yeah this guy's up you know at the very very tip top of the league for defensemen he gets his contract and and you just expect everything to kind of fall in after that everyone to say okay well Here's where we, you know, here's where you are kind of in relation to Kale McCarr, but GMs just haven't had an issue going past that number. And again, before he even stepped on the ice and won a Stanley Cup and won a Norris Trophy and almost scored 30 goals, the contract somehow got better. And it's just continued to improve every day for the last year. Um, So maybe it's not insane value, but my, you know, it's not a great deal, but wow, it's great value. I think it is great value because of term, because of what yep. we can expect Kale McCarr to become over the next several years. And I think it sets a precedent for other defensemen because Adam Fox's contract is so similar. It's so close in value for the, the AAV, but also the term. And I think it's modeled after McCarr's contract and it comes about only a couple months after McCarr signs his. I think that's on purpose. It's 
completely a reflection of what this type of defenseman means for their individual teams too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, you can never perfectly extrapolate term, right? You never know what happens in a player's career going forward, but especially for a player so young where realistically you just saw him win all the things we talked about and he's still two, three years away from being in his prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah. Which again, why it's just, it was just so surprising to me uh, that, that teams were so comfortable to pay their defensemen more than that for those exact two things. You know, the abs felt like, Hey, cool. We think this is fair knowing that you're still going to get better. And a guy like Seth Jones, who, you know, you feel is pretty, pretty settled into who he is, uh, got even more money on even more term. Uh, and again, not all negotiations are equal to the point AJ made about Zach Wierenski. Columbus had to, they had to pay whatever they had to, to keep him. They had to give the extra million yeah. or whatever, because you can't make the argument that Zach Wierenski was worth more than that. But going into his last free aid, like going into free agency, basically um, he was willing to stay. They had to make sure that he stayed. If that extra million kept him, you're, you're like, okay, so he's a little overpaid. So what? It's the same thing with Charlie McAvoy. I saw people in chat immediately were like, Oh, I got an eight year deal or whatever. And, it bought all these UFA years. Like, look, the guys, the guys overpaid today. Just, just compared to the guys that are around him, he doesn't have nearly the offensive skill set uh, or production or any of those things as the other guys that are in his in his salary range. He just doesn't. He's an right. um, unbelievable defender, and I fully expect he's going to be next to Fox, next to uh, Haskin, and next to Makar as like in this generation's elite guys, but. Uh, as the as the complete two way guy, he's so far in his career anyway. He's he's lack he's lacking, mm-hmm. but you don't give a shit about that extra million dollars when you're talking a, elite defenseman. So what? But with Makar, yeah, like his contract, we all it was like nine, and you're like, God, that's a lot of money. And then you're like, given how special a player that guy is, and given what's happened since then. And given where we think the cap is going to go, by the end of that contract, we could be looking at that Makar's contract like we look at McKinnon's now, by the end of that deal, where we're just like, this is, it made sense at the time, but my gosh. I want to get back to some other Avs contracts, but first, Cygnus brought it up in the chat. Uh, Mentioned Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, For Dreisaitl... He's a guy we have regularly shied away from diving too much into on this show because, uh, you know, we're drafting the best players, but his defensive side is lacking, yada, yada, yada. But when you look at the fact that he signed for $8.5 million and has had three 100-point seasons, kind of ridiculous, right? Dude, it's it's insane value because yeah. when when you look at where his contract was, the first, like, year or two, you were like, Gosh, that felt like a lot of money. Because the first year of that deal, he he scored 70 points. And you're like, for eight and a half million? I don't know, man. That could be a little stinky by the end of this thing if this doesn't take a turn. Yeah. And it took a turn, and he's had 
The only reason he hasn't had 400-point seasons is because they only played 56 games one year. And he still put up 84 points that season. He's been, he's been, I, I would have to go back and actually look, but in the life of that contract, he has to be a top five point producer in the NHL, if not like, like second. I think easily. Yeah. I like it because he's locked into that through 2025. And if the cap ceiling is to be raised at any point, it's going to age even better. He's, he's got three years left on it. And that's one where you're like, what do they do when that thing expires? Because you give McDavid the world. You don't give a shit. You don't think twice about that. You give that thing you, you, whatever he wants, right? But with Drysaddle, you're like, can you can you afford to have two fifteen million dollar players on your team? Because the as as expensive as McDavid has been, and how it's kind of amazing that nobody has really gotten all that close to him. Uh, before this McKinnon contract, which could get there. Um, it's Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl's incredible value here is is has been a huge boon for the Oilers. And they turned around and threw it away on Nurse. Like, as good of as good of the values they get on Dreisaitl, they lose on Nurse. And that's where you're like, great value, what a huge, what a huge advantage. And what do they do with that advantage? They wasted it. And that's AJ. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's something I mentioned it yesterday or whenever we were, we were talking about, you know, prospect pools and keeping your team up near the top. Um, if you're going to, you know, you're going to have these value contracts like this, right? Like we're talking about uh, Kale McCarr here and how that could slowly become such a great, in order for them to truly be good value contracts, you have to do something with the savings. You've yep. got to put that money to good use. Otherwise, you just have players signed for less than what they should be signed for and who really gives a shit. And to AJ's point, that's, you know, if you're the Oilers, you're an Oilers fan or whatever, you have to be disappointed with the way that they've invested those savings. And part of the reason why the Avs are, you know, we're getting daily updates on what the players are doing with their day with the cup is because Joe Sackick and company did a phenomenal job making good use of the savings on, uh, you know, Nathan McKinnon, uh, of what ended up being, you know, a good value deal on Kale McCarr, saying we're not going past a certain point on a guy like Philip Grubauer, um, you know, grinding. It was a little bleak there for a minute, but, you know, grinding with it, uh, Gabe Landeskog to get to a number where they felt comfortable, but he felt taken care of. They've done a great job with their money where they've gotten savings. They've put it to good use. AJ mentioned it. I think it was AJ yesterday. They were able to go add at the deadline, multiple players because they've been smart with their, uh, with their cap savings. And the Oilers have made some mistakes with that. And then the other thing I was going to say on dry is for me, part of the other reason why that feels like such good contracts, the production relative to the dollar amount, is out of control. And two, because he's not great on the defensive side of the puck, it's not like you're sitting like, oh, we're paying $11.5 million for this guy to put up points. And so, like, there's this desperation for him to put up the points, like, you know, because you don't get anything else from him. So, I don't know. At that, at that eight and a half, I sh- it, it's a great contract. But again, it was all kind of doesn't really mean much now. All right. 
Uh, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can use code DNVR when you go over there to sign up for a new account. And right now, when you sign up and put a $5 bet down on any college football team, you get given $200 in free bets. You can take those $200 and go bet on pretty much any sport you can think of. Uh, it's it's a wild time, some of the stuff you can bet on over at DraftKings. So. Dude, I watched a whole hour TikTok live of people playing cap baseball in Japan, which is baseball in a gym using bottle caps instead of baseballs. Is it like a full-sized bat? Yes. Wild. Dude, those caps can do a lot of things when you start spinning them. It was nuts to watch. I was like, how do they keep track of these things? Like, what if you lose one in the lights or something? Do you step on it later? Like... (laughs) I very, very, uh, very interesting to watch. I don't know if it's on DraftKings, but we are always talking about obscure sports on our on the show. So I figured I would give a shout out to that. Have y'all... I saw Whip Snake's jersey in person the other day. Really? Really? Yeah, you're in Colorado. That's tremendous. I, Wait, you saw I what? That was really cool. That thing you has to what? be like super limited. Like, Whip yeah. Snake? It's that lacrosse team because before Ruto, one of the bets was potentially on the Whip Snakes or the Archers. I think mm. the Archers ended up winning that game too. Unfortunately, the, my feelings about the Whip Snakes were wrong. I'm pretty sure I picked the Archers, so let's go. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Because you, you were telling me the Whip Snake is like worse than a gardener snake or something. I think the Whip Snakes won then because whatever oh, it was, I got it backwards. I'm so sorry. And now they have fans wearing jerseys in Colorado. So that was probably you. Maybe. You're welcome. That was, that was your influence. <laughs> that was your influence. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So maybe you'll find a new dope jersey that you want because the crazy teams that you can find on DraftKings. Again, go over there, get a new account with the DNVR code. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and bet $5 on college football to get $200 in free bets instantly. Again, code DNVR. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, one per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager, $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We are also brought to you by FOCO. So when you win some money at DraftKings, maybe you don't want to buy a Whip Snakes jersey. Maybe you want actual Colorado team merch. That's where FOCO comes in because they have you covered with all the major sports teams here in Colorado, including teams like the Rapids and the Buffs. So plenty of stuff to get there. They got jerseys. They got pants. They got Crocs for your feet. They got hats. They got pins. They got bobbleheads if you're more of a, in the collector side of things. So go check them out. Go see all their merch. You can use code DNVR to get 10% off over at FOCO.com. That's F-O-C-O.com to check out all of the amazing merch that they have. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I see a number of different people throwing out names from the Avs in chat. And I'm going to exclude the McKinnon deal again because it's on its last year. By the end of the year, he'll be on a much, much more expensive deal, hopefully, with the Avs. But outside of Kale, who do you think has the best deal money-wise for the Avalanche? I've seen in the chat... Tave's name, Gerard's yeah. name, and Logan O'Connor's name thrown out so far. Dude, it's very obviously Devon Taves. 
Mm-hmm. He is right now. He has the same AAV, which is tied for 77th highest amongst NHL defensemen, as Brandon Carlo and Brian Dumoulin. All right. And those are both solid NHL defenders. Brian Dumoulin looks like he might be taking a turn for the worse, but he's been a pretty good player. Uh, Brandon Carlo, we've talked about. He's a solid NHL player, has been for a, for a while. Like, a, a one-way guy doesn't give you anything offensively, same as Dumoulin, but really good defenders. Devon Taves, is an elite, he's an elite defenseman at this point. He's a top 10 play. He's a top 10 in his position, and he's making $4 million. Like he's gonna make he's going to make less money this upcoming season than Philip Ronick is and Connor Murphy and John Marino. Like and he's gonna play he's gonna play on the defending Stanley Cup champs top pair next to the Norris winner. And deservedly so like it's they they took the McKinnon deal and essentially recreated it in, in tapes. Like the, the it's incredible value. It's it's one thing where you look at the abs and you say, okay, but anybody could have done that with the McKinnon contract and blah 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 blah. But they continue to get incredible value out of some of these mid level contracts where, uh, you know, the Burakovsky, uh, Nachushkin, the last couple of years, wildly outperformed the deals that they were on. Devon Taves is the ultimate example of this. Like. Sam Gerrard is on a a great contract, especially if he returns to form next year and goes back to being the Sam Gerrard that we really, the one that we saw more often than not in the postseason next to Josh Manson, where it was like away from Jack Johnson, he looked so much better, right? He looked he looked like the Sam Gerrard that we've come to expect. That guy's on a great deal too. Because People complaining it's, about it's, his deal make me laugh. Right. I mean, $5 million, you're talking about a second pairing guy that should give you a minimum of 40 points a year uh, and, and gives you solid, solid defense. It, he's not, he's not going to ever ascend to that quite that elite level, but I mean, Sam, Sam Gerard, that's a, that's a good, that's a good player. $5 million, $5 million for like six more years or something like for, for the length of it. it that's what makes it so good. If it was five million dollars for two more years, you're like, it's fine. But for for how long it is, it's so good. But Taves, Taves for the even even given that it's it's done in two years, four million dollars for truly elite level play for a player that should that that could argue to be making ten on his next contract. Right. It's incredible value. Well, and and he's also uh, again, and I. I... You have to be careful the way you word this, because he's a Norris caliber defenseman. I'm not saying he's gonna win. I'm not saying he should win. I'm not saying he should beat anyone. But like, he is in that tier defenseman where his level of play is up there, in my opinion, with guys that you do put in that Norris conversation every single year. I, I really do think Taves is. I mean, that was one of the things people talked about this year with McCarr. You know, it, it was the same conversation we heard. We've heard about McKinnon with the Hart Trophy. Well, can he really win it playing next to Devon Taves? It's like when you're when Devon Taves is that good, where people actually think that it should, it could disqualify you from winning a, a Norris Trophy. Not not bad value for whatever it is, four and a half. 
Yeah. Like you said earlier, he's going to be a Team Canada defenseman. 4.1. Even better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 4.1. Legitimately, he's going to be a guy that when he goes into his next contract, if there's not a nine at the start of it, uh, it's because he got to double digits. He's he's that that kind of a value for them, and it sucks that he's been so good that he's going to play his way out of Denver. But it doesn't suck that a late bloomer is going to make fifty million dollars in his career mm-hmm. for a guy that didn't crack the NHL until he was like twenty six. Like, good for him, but oh my gosh, uh, is he is he such an incredible value for the Avs? And that's where that's where they're going to kind of need to recreate that with uh, Bowen Byram, really, if. If they're if they're gonna keep this gravy train rolling of you you can't just pay everybody and then be like, hey, they're all making what they should. You've gotta have guys who are exceeding their contract value to 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 consistently be there. But that was only Tave's fourth year in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Megan, are you in the same boat or are you a Logan O'Connor fanatic? Well, I I, I like all of these contracts. Um, I think Logan O'Connor's is probably more average by comparison, just looking at the value and the, the difference between what the contract is to the value the player brings to the team. But they all belong, I think, in a greater discussion, like starting with Gerard's contract beginning in 2019, looking ahead at Taves beginning in 2020. The Avs front office made these investments in these players because they anticipated that they would bring great value to the team in the future. And it makes me feel better about the Nichushkin contract and how that might age because we are right in the beginning stages of that contract, hoping it's going to age similar to how some of these contracts have played out. And Logan O'Connor's contract belongs in that conversation too, even though we're looking at lower value across the board. Um, The hope is that the front office is making these decisions because they're investing in specific players because Nuchushkin's contract has kind of been compared alongside Kadri's and, you know, why one over the other? What's the difference here? And I think it it comes back to these things about how these are anticipated to age. And I trust in the S front office making these decisions because of what we've seen happen with Taves and Gerard. The, the O'Connor one, I mean, in January, you were you were looking at that like, oh, okay. And yeah, to your point, it cooled a bit there in the back half of the season, but I really like the Logan O'Connor one. I, I mean, that's just it's it it's just because that's now a set and forget one million dollars in your bottom six that you know you're gonna you're gonna like what he brings. He knows the team. Like that's never gonna be a contract that you are needing to get rid of anxious to have come off your books. It's a million dollars. And to your point, Megan, see the highest impact guy on the team. No, absolutely not. But I think Logan O'Connor last year, at least was more than a million dollar player. Um, How much more is up to you. Um, But, you know, again, it's just, it's another one where would you put him at? uh, One five North of one five. You know, maybe maybe one seven to two, if you know if you if you're a free agent, if you're a UFA. Um, and, and again, to me, it's just another example of they they had a contract where again maybe this is a player a little bit above what his value is, and they were able to put the the savings to good use. Uh, he's an example of someone they were able to use savings on other contracts. Uh, you know, to to get him a little bit of term. 
Um, just again, just another smart deal. And it's just, you don't have to worry about that guy in your bottom six for three more years. And, and it's just, I do like that one as, as, um, good value, even though, like you said, Megan, maybe not as impactful, uh, on, on the roster, an important piece. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's your, the, the three years is certainly the real, I think the real value of that yeah. deal is that it's three years sure. and not one, because yeah. most of, if you look around, uh, at, at, in his contract, realm like you're talking about Danton Heinen, Nicholas Abe Kubel, Corey Perry, David Krejci, Pat Maroon, Pierre Edward Belmar, those types of guys. Uh you're talking about guys who at this point now Krejci's kind of the misfit there because of his situation, but um those guys are all depth guys who are who are, you know, in, in the case of a Danton Heinen, that guy he had 33 points last year. Him at a million dollars is a big steal for Pittsburgh. But the big thing is is He's unproven. He hasn't consistently done it in the NHL. It's the same thing with Abe Kubel, where you're like, okay, but he didn't. He when push came to shove, the team didn't even want to play him in the postseason. Yeah. You know, like uh, Pat Maroon had 27 points last year. Belmar had 20. Logan O'Connor had 24. Yeah. So really, he's right in the range of where he should be price wise. Because if you start to go up, you start to find guys in that one five range who are actual really, really, really good values mm-hmm. um, right where he is. But it's the three years that really separates for O'Connor that makes that contract as valuable as it is. Yeah. Because even if that guy rips off a random 30-point season, he can't get paid anymore. Right, right. If he has a 15-point season, if he has a 30-point season, whatever, you're completely fine with it because there's almost no way for him to underperform that deal yeah. at a million dollars. There's almost no downside here. The Avs have done an extremely good job with all three of these deals, Taze O'Connor and uh, Gerard, in getting their primes, right? It's so much lower risk on these deals because of the age of the players that they got them at. And that's where you look at the Landy contract. The Val contract is better than Landy's in that regard. You get Val's 27, so you're you're very likely getting at least three really good years there. Um, man, you sure hope if not, then that contract becomes a disaster really quick, (laughs) but you see the abs do a very good job of targeting that age of player and getting a contract that they're happy with. Yeah. Well, and again, like this is, we mentioned it whenever it was, we were doing the prospect pool show. This is just another guy that you pulled out as a college UFA you didn't, you know, it, this, this player literally costs you nothing but money, not even a draft pick. Um, and, and to AJ's point, cause that to me, I, I'm fully with you. That's the big part of this is it. it I believe it was a four year deal when they signed it. Um, it was, was it three? Is this upcoming year? The first year of the new deal? It is. Okay. Yep. That, um, that was kind of the risk of it is that they gave it to him after like 40 NHL games. Right, right. They were and, like, and honestly, here you go. I, I think a lot of that was uh, the bubble playoff run, like where he came in and was, I mean, he was awesome uh, in that Dallas series with all the injuries. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, there was there was a point this last year where you were looking at the $1 million and you're like, did Joe Sackett do it again? Did you find like a 40-point guy here? And yeah. then O'Connor settled back into what, you know, we all kind of thought he'd be. Yeah, he went 40 games without scoring a goal. Yeah, yeah, right. 
but you know, to, to, again, the, the point that AJ made a minute ago, um, with the kind of player he is, the way he likes to play, it's going to be really hard for you to feel like Logan O'Connor doesn't ever live up to a million dollar deal. Um, and, and, you know, you look at guys like Andrew Cogliano, Darren Helm, guys that you all really like, you know, they're making one, two, five. And we had the conversation earlier this off season about when you are in this realm where you're trying to save competitive as you can. Yeah. 250 K doesn't really sound like much, but suddenly if you look down and your entire you know, fourth line is all making one, two, five. Well, then that's 750,000. You almost have an extra million given away. Uh, so it's just nice that you have one guy there who, um, you know, right in the range, but on the lower end, you got some term on it. Uh, that's a sneaky, great deal for the abs. Do wanna... It's very appropriately valued. There isn't huge disparity in what he's making and what he brings to the table, but I think he values the fact that there's some guarantee for the next season versus a Cagliano or a Helm who have some uncertainty year into the next. For sure. Do want to open this up to the rest of the league too. Chat mentioning guys like Elias Lindholm, Michael Bunting's ridiculousness, of course, Mark Giordano, Ehlers and Connor up in Winnipeg. Elias Lindholm getting paid less than $5 million to score 40 goals last year is mint for the Flames. Mm. Good luck doing it again, but that is a that is a deal that right now you're like, whoo! The Flames got a big one in that. If if that continues, that's a big feather in their cap. Uh, chat wanted to chat ask a question just about what do you think Byram's contract uh, next contract looks like. I will tell you that was the big thing that I took away from the Noah Dobson signing in uh, New York. Because coming off the year that he just had, Noah Dobson, uh, he had a 50-point season. I I really struggle, uh, as much as I like Bowen Byram, I really, really struggle to believe that Byram is going to put up significantly more or even get to 50 points next year. Given um, that there's just limited power play opportunity. Exactly. Like there's, you know, I, I think that he's his postseason performance probably should push him solidly into the top four in terms of minutes. But with Taves, with Gerard coming back to health, with having the balance between Manson and Johnson and being able to being able to have that kind of balanced defense, I don't know that he's gonna get fed the kind of minutes to be able to put up those types of uh, put up much more than the 51 that Dobson just put up last year. Dobson had a really, really good year. Um, he's 22 years old. Him getting a three-year bridge deal at $4 million, I think kind of sets the table for Byram because uh, that a, a similar a similar type of contract for the Avs. Like, you'd love to get a, a Gerard-like deal for Byram. But the reality is, is that Byram would not be making a very good decision if he took that, given the kind of potential that he has to take Devon Taves' job next to Kale McCarr and be his running mate for their primes together, those two, uh, because then he would be getting the kind of minutes to produce 50, 60 points per year. He would be getting the ice time and the opportunity uh, and, and playing with Colorado's top six on a regular enough basis that he's just out there with all of their top dudes and, and feasting on points. 
Um, so that's where I think the next, I think that's the template where you start with Byram. You say he gets to 50 points. That bridge deal is a great starting point for everybody. If he wanted to do a long-term deal, you can't, you, you've got it. You can't go into the seven or eight range with them just given his lack of track record and the concussion history. But in anyway, anyway, I thought the Dobson deal provided a nice marker to start. And for those younger players too, you know, Bill Daly said today, expect a significant cap increase after the 23-24 season. So, yeah, you're going to see players shy away from taking those longer deals until that extra money opens up. I mean, look, if the Avs offered him a 6 by 6 and he just said, "Hey, given my concussions." Sure. I mean, maybe great. this I'd, be I'd a, sign it today. Maybe this would be a great and then by by year 2 of that deal, you're probably like, "Oh my god, this is an incredible value." Um, but and I just, I guess I just have a hard time seeing him take that, uh, this comment in chat kind of makes me laugh that I, you expect him to get to 30 points at most next season. Man had 17 uh, points in 30 games this yeah. year. And then, and then followed it up with nine points in 20 playoff games. Um, even if you extrapolate just his postseason performance to a full year, it's 37 points. So, uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I guess I have a really, really hard time believing that 30 points, uh, 30 points is like my like starting point for what I expect from Byram next year. Uh, he's going to, he's going to probably play 18 minutes a night on a, on a regular basis and more than that on the good nights. So, uh, I have a really hard time believing that he won't outperform what he did last season. Okay. Anyone else have thoughts on Byram or any other specific players that they really felt like are a great deal? I'm good. I mean, there are so many, man. Yeah, we could literally be here for days. Like, you look at a guy like Tage Thompson making just over a million dollars and just dropped a 36-goal season. Those Those are the big when you sign a guy to a bridge deal because he hasn't done shit in the NHL yet, and you're just kind of waiting for the breakout. That's where you find tons and tons of these deals. Uh, Troy Terry's another guy um, that that you talk about where he's he's making just a little over a million. He drops a sixty a sixty point year behind thirty goals. Uh, those are those are your most frequent like big money like Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, each of them making two point eight million, uh, and each of them have a seventy point season last year. So those are those are your most common big value deals are those young guys on bridge deals waiting to break out. Um, there's so many, there's so many of those guys in the league that outperform their contracts every single year. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, you could get into a whole nother conversation there. We don't have enough time to really dive into it of how effective can you be at, giving players bridges to longer term deals and and how that creates success for hockey teams or failure. in in some cases, Uh, honestly, you got to balance them. Like the abs, the abs signing all their fucking forwards to eight year deals. All of a sudden is like, okay, you're really hoping this goes well in terms of aging curves. Like you guys are, you guys are really, really hoping this goes well. Um, and hey, you know, for the first five years, it'll probably be fine. And then after that, Godspeed. But you really have to balance them. Like the smart play, you know, going back to Byram, the smart play might be to bridge him. 
because it just saves you money. Because if you do want to give him a long-term deal, you've got to give him the money that he maybe has not earned at that point where you give him a six or a seven million dollars per year. And you say, okay, in year one of this deal, he's probably not a seven million dollar player. But by the third year, he's a twelve million dollar player making seven million. And you're like, ah, Yahtzee. <laughs> so you're but you're balancing that and you're saying, okay, but if we can get him just using the Dobson deal again as the benchmark, if you can get him on four million dollar deal, knowing this is gonna hurt you at the end of those those three years, but to get him at four right now right. and then get a five million dollar player out of him. But then you use some of those savings to go and, you know, replace JT Comfer when he walks next year. Like something like that, you know, like that's that's the that's the balance. You can't just be like, pay everybody. <laughs> because that's you just will run out of money and flexibility and you'll just You end up being the Vegas Golden Knights at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you're you're just like, okay, well, we have paid all of our guys. We also continue to, to bring in guys from the outside and pay them too. <laughs> Who wants to fake a broken back this week? <laughs> so Who's you know, not feeling and then, well. Who's exactly. Come, come upset? Then in the locker room, you just have a wait list for bone surgery <laughs> that the guys just sign up for and say, "This is my three weeks off." <laughs> so that's like that's that's you have to balance those things out. Uh, so that you don't end up like locked in because, and then, Hey, if a player, if a player's career takes a turn that you're not expecting when you sign it, you know, like, like the abs really rolled the dice with Val Nachushkin. Uh, and then in the context of Landy's deal and Lekkonen's deal, like they've really had quite a, a, a dice roll of an off season where you feel great, but these guys all just fucking want to stay in the cup together. You love it. You're fine. You're you're on top of the mountain, right? You're living you're living life, but you can also see you fast forward two years where you're like, I can see where this doesn't work out, where this just yeah. does not go their way, and it sinks the entire window. If it goes that way, yeah. Um, it, it yeah. could not. I mean, it could it could it could look just like last year where it all works out. It may and also these guys are back. yeah on an amazing fit. They win another 55 games. They stomp through the postseason. And now we're talking about, you know, dynasty they're chasing caliber yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're chasing a dynasty at that point where you're like, okay, this all went great. Gatsy. Nailed it. Well, yeah. Nailed it. The only way to find out is to either time travel into the future or wait and see. So if you can time travel, hit me up. Let me know what the lotto numbers are. Uh, if Why not, would they let you know instead of just keeping them? <laughs> Look, they can win one for themselves. Give me the next week's lotto numbers. It's fine. You gotta, you gotta wait for that next Billy to roll around. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. We, assuming you have to live in real time like the rest of us, we'll be live five days a week, off season, preseason, regular season, postseason. You name it, we're here for you. So be sure to keep tuning in, like and subscribe here on DNBR's YouTube channel. That does a ton for us. We're almost at 24k subscribers. So inching, inching towards that 100k. Still moving forward there. Uh, anyway, we're going to get out of here for the day. We appreciate all of y'all. We will we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, from the vault, we'll see you next time.